Brian Galke, Mastering Communication Through Facial Decoding. Step into the world of Brian Galke, a seasoned professional who turned his life around by mastering a unique skill, decoding facial features, overcoming social anxiety and climbing the corporate ladder to manage a $40 million portfolio wasn't just about hard work. It was about understanding people on a deeper level. Brian shares how interpreting subtle signals from people's faces became his secret weapon in his intriguing conversation. This skill enhanced his communication and transformed his personal and professional life. Don't miss this opportunity to delve into Brian's journey and learn how to leverage facial decoding for effective communication. Tune in, unlock your potential for success. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Let me share with you a little bit about the guests that we have today. Brian Galke, the people problem solver, is a skilled professional who credits his success to mastering good communication skills. He strategically positioned himself in retail service industry and help desk roles to overcome social anxiety and improve his interactions with others. The game changer for Brian was learning to decode facial features, which significantly enhanced his understanding and communication with others. This skill contributed to his career advancement from a help desk role to a corporate trainer, then into sales, and finally a regional vice president of sales managing a $40 million portfolio. Brian left his corporate life to teach these skills on stage alongside industry leaders like Janine Driver, Brad Lee, Steve Sims, Greg, Greg Reed, Alex Hormozzi, and more. My goodness, let's welcome to the stage Mr. Brian Gauke. Hi, Brian, you're on mute. Sorry about that. 
No worries. There you are, sir. Welcome. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's an honor to have you here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Thank you so much. This is such a fascinating topic, Brian, for so many people. And so I'm excited to dive in to learn more about all of the things that you've discovered along your journey. But let's start by sharing with the audience a little bit more about you. Tell sure, us sure. about Brian. Sure. So uh, I'm based in Dallas, Texas. Um, ironically, you and I met in a, a whole other state and we happen to be neighbors now <laughs> to a degree, but yeah, I've been here basically since I was four. So I'm 48 now you can do the math, but, uh, started out just growing out in between Dallas and Fort Worth. I've lived in the downtown area for the last 20 years. And then uh, you kind of read over a little bit of my bio. So I was in a telecommunication space for 21 and a half years and all those different positions. And this is what I do full time now. I think it's really great. And, you know, you just posted a very vulnerable uh, post on LinkedIn yesterday where you really described your entrepreneurial journey that stemmed from something that happened just a year previously. So yes. it fascinates me and I'm so impressed and congratulations of the way that you show up on the world today, already speaking on stages and everything when it was just a year ago yesterday, right? Yep. That you were fired from a job that you had for 20 some years. Yep. Uh, 21 and a half years as an employee. And uh, it wasn't a complete shock, but it was a shock in the way that it went down. Mm -hmm. And, but truthfully, I had not been happy for a while. So I gave myself a day to be mad. And when you're around the right people, they help you reframe things quite a bit. And so one of the things that you hear a lot is stop asking, why did it happen to me? And how did it happen for me? And I'd never really had to live through that experience because truthfully, most of my life, things have just kind of worked out. I got, I landed in this job. I'd planned to be there for six months and here I was 21 years later and 10 promotions later. I just was kind of lucky. Things kind of fell in my lap in a variety of different ways. Now it was with some hard work behind, but it wasn't like I job hopped around. I searched for my dream job or anything. I just started here. I excelled and as I'd add more skills to my repertoire, like body language, decoding facial features, you name it, I kept getting promoted. And then luckily I had start with the way that I'm a total nerd in this way. I wouldn't always take vacation to go on vacation. Sometimes I would take vacation from work to go to seminars and to learn. So you name it. I've, if there's a seminar out there, I've probably been to it. So I'd been to Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, you name it. So I'd always kind of dabbled in that industry. And I always thought it was something I'd like to do, but I had golden handcuffs in that I made really good money. And so what do you hear in the back of your head is other people going, well, you should be grateful for what you have and not mm. pursue something else. Oh, uh, and that is a common thing, right? And and that is a, a, a blessing, right? When we do have the, the space to be able to learn and grow. And we're more fortunate when the companies that we work for enable us to do so. And, but you said you took that a step further and you utilized vacation time in order to learn and grow yourself. And I, I don't find that um, uncommon or out of the ordinary mostly because I did that myself, where I too was a total nerd, but hey, look at us now, we're both walking into the entrepreneurial 
journey and doing something because of that, because of that, that craving for learning and knowledge and knowing that there's no end cap to that and that we want to continue on that journey. And so I think that, again, that's great. And now you really branded yourself in and around this idea of learning how to communicate with others based on body language and facial gestures and all of those things. And mm -hmm. Had Janine Driver on the show uh, previously, and that's how you and I both met each other, was be because of something that she has really created, former FBI, and that is what she engulfed herself in was the body language piece of knowing people and her career in the FBI. Really, she needed that in order to do her job in the best way, right? To learn right. how to read people because it's those subtle skills that come into play that really determine and can determine the outcome of something. And when it involves life or death or something, when it, when you're going into first responding or uh, all of those fields, it mm -hmm. really makes a huge difference. And so Brian, I'm curious, what really got you interested, involved in, you know, coming from a field that really sounds like, uh, you know, financial background or, or this and that, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but tell me what engaged you in this to begin with? Fluke circumstance. Uh, I had a friend who she was coming to town. She said, let's go to dinner. I show up at the restaurant and she said, Hey, I'm not going to make it. And I'm like, why are you not going to make it? She said, no, I, I really want you to come to this conference and meet one of the guys who was a speaker there. I'm like, no, I'm at the restaurant. I'm not going to go. And she said, no, no, you need to come meet this guy. I'm like, why? And she's like, cause he can read faces. And I'm like, Oh yeah, let me rush over there for that one. And so I wasn't going to go, but she was a persistent friend and which I'm thankful for now. But I went with the intentions of blowing holes in this guy, because if I'd never heard of it and I have entire bookshelves full of body language books, how to win friends and influence people, you name it. And that's because I was an introvert who loved to be out in public. So I was I loved to be around people and I was terrified of being around people at the exact same time. And so as a kid, I felt like I missed that day of school where they taught you how to interact with people. So <laughs> I always felt like I was isolated, even in a public setting. And because I'd always picked up books and everything, when she said this, I thought can't be real. So I went with the intentions of proving that this guy was a fraud, but I, I left dinner, went over to where he was and we sat down at a dinner table and he dissected everyone to a T, including me solely best uh, based on resting facial features. Mm. And I was interested, but I was skeptical. Yeah. So what I did is I started picking up the material the book, flashcards, but I also would drive from Dallas to Fort Worth twice a month. And it's a 45 minute drive for people who don't know that to do group coaching with them. And I was kept looking for flaws. I thought there's, this can't be legitimate. And then what I would do is more importantly is I would go and test it myself. And so I would take materials with me and purposely leave them out. Like if I was traveling and I would sit at a bar um, because why there's always people to talk to. And somebody sees what you have and then it starts a conversation. And I'd go, well, I took this class, but I'm not really sure if I believe it all. So can I ask you these questions based on what I've learned? And what I found is it's not 100%, but it was a high 90 success rate. And the cool thing about it is when you're focused on someone else, you get out of your own head. And so if we all know those salespeople who, or well, people in general, they have their own agenda and all they do is try and push what their wants and the way that they communicate are. But this was... I know what I want to say, but what do I need to modify or alter so that you can best understand me? 
And once I learned that, it completely changed my life. And so I would test it and use it and test it and use it. And what I noticed is my career started going up as at the same time I got better at these skills. So mm. I recommend uh, body language books. You mentioned Janine Driver. Her book, You Say More Than You Think, is actually a fantastic book. I keep it right here so that everybody can see it. Yeah. And so for people who don't think you're like, oh, well, you just put up a book. There's like, well, you can't really see too well. I'll bring My in. Notes, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, I write in the books when I look at them. I devour books. I don't just recommend books. And so I, before I knew Janine, I actually had her book. And um, so but anyway, that book is about what does your body language say about you? When you enter a room, what are you telling other people subconsciously? Mm. And then another book that I really recommend on body language is What Everybody is Saying by Joe Navarro. He was an FBI agent who learned it for investigations and interrogations. So that's a book on how do you understand other people's body language. So I was already familiar with those two, but then I learned this skill and the big, big change between analyzing facial features and analyzing body language is you're giving people your time and attention. And you're doing that rare thing this day and age called eye contact, which I know it's really strange because in these devices that connect us to the world, right? We're disconnected from other people. We'll literally be in the same room going, uh-huh, yep, okay. Or people got their smartwatches. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, hold on, you know. Yeah. So it helped me because when I was studying their faces, I wasn't thinking about me. And what it taught me was, how do I present the information? So I spent a good deal of time on what they called the pro demo team. It was me and two other people that any customer that was over a million dollars we were flown around the U.S. to do a presentation. So even though that particular area had a regional vice president and they had an account manager that knew the accounts inside and out, we were the presentation team. Well, I could pr practice everything in my hotel, the projector, the PowerPoint, the product, but people were always the unknown until I learned this skill. And then when I walked in, I could look from across the room and say, okay, I see this facial feature. I see that facial feature. And I knew when I'm presenting, when do I make eye contact with that person? because I'm speaking their language. So just giving you very, very high level examples. If someone has, it's in proportion to the size of their own face, doesn't matter male, female, where you're born, anything of like that nature. It's for your own face or their own face. Do their ears look large in proportion to their face or small? And then you do the same thing with their eyes. Well, if they have larger ears and smaller eyes, then they tend to be auditory people. So you would change what you want to say to, hey, does it sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? Mm. So I'm still talking about the same product, but I'm learning to speak their language. And people go, ah, it's manipulation. And my simple example of that is when I was a kid, I used to be a horrible traveler. And that in everywhere I went, I thought they should speak English. And if they don't, I'll speak English louder. Well, that's me pushing the way that I communicate instead of going, how can we communicate together? And, you know, if you want to take it into a different uh, realm, I think everyone should read the five love languages, the book. Right. And what's that's about? It's not necessarily romantically based, but figuring out how does somebody feel and show something versus how do you do it? And how do you respect each other enough to try and meet in the middle once again? And that's what this skill really taught me was I know how to present the product. That wasn't a problem. But how do I make sure that they were could hear what I was saying is where that came into play. Right. And again, that communication, knowing how to communicate with them, because you're you're looking at, like you said, the, the bigger ears, then maybe they want to hear those words of listening and they're they're truly tuning into what you say. 
on that audible level. And so knowing how to navigate that, Brian, I love your story of how you really got into this and, and how you were a skeptic at first. I think it's fascinating to me about how historically skeptics really do become some of the greatest uh, people who, who dive into it because they want so badly to prove that something is incorrect. And yes. yet they learn the most because they've engulfed themselves into it and then are, are become true believers out of that, yes. such as yourself. And then they become great leaders in teaching it because of that, because they just really dived into it so deeply. And, you know, I, I think too, when you started out in the bars, you know, that's a fascinating place to people watch, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when we go to those public places and we start to see how people utilize their body language. And again, going back to you first learning and reading books like Janine, Janine Drivers on, well, what does it mean when the woman is crossing her legs towards the man as opposed to, you know, away from them? You know, mm -hmm. there's there's different things that really share so much knowledge and insight of, of what they're saying. And, you know, because we, we don't say everything verbally, so much of it is within how we look and appear. Absolutely. And what's interesting is. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Being in this industry, you learn that a lot of the speakers who get up and teach information are introverts by nature. And what does that mean? Well, they didn't, things didn't come naturally. So you've always heard the phrase, the best players don't always make the best coaches. And what I've learned to discover is so many of them are introverts, but they had to learn this. That's why it's easy for them to teach someone else how to do it because it wasn't intuitive. It didn't come naturally. Um, as you mentioned, I was a skeptic. So with me wanting to have that curiosity go, is this legitimate or not? That was the testing ground. So don't assume anything with blind faith. Like um, when you get a quote unquote hater, I got people all the time to go, oh, this can't be real. I said, hey, fair enough. Pick up a book, try it. If you don't like it, discard it. If it works, add it to the rotation. And I say that because I don't feel like they. I have to prove anything. I know it works for me. And I've analyzed thousands of faces in front of crowds of anywhere from 50 to 500 to 5,000. So I know, you know what this has the capability to do. And that's what a lot of people, they've been raised to think, if it's not taught in schools, it can't be legitimate. And the crazy thing about this skill is physiognomy, which is what it's based upon, was actually part of the academic system until Henry VIII had it yanked out because he said, I don't like the idea that beggars and vagabonds can use this skill. <laughs> oh, well, that's not so old school, you know, that's right. that concept certainly uh, passes through the ages, doesn't it? And, oh, yes. um, 
without getting into that though, Brian, I, I think that it's great that you're, you're really authentic in saying that I found that this is 90 something percent, uh, you know, correct, which is a huge percentage, you know, it's not a hundred percent, but through my knowledge and my research and, and really observing this, it is, it is really quite factual. And that's why you really journeyed into this as an entrepreneur. And you're like, this is the direction I'm going to go. You were confident in that because you have really tried, tested true to it. Right. And right. so, okay. I'm excited to learn what were some of the things that you started observing that were most exciting to you? So what I teach the most is eyebrows. And there's two reasons for it. One, you can see eyebrows from across the room. You can see eyebrows from where, you know, uh, when people are walking towards you, you've got that few seconds to change it. But the real power of that is eyebrows lead to eye contact. And what is most people struggle with this day and age is maintaining eye contact. Well, you get credit for looking right here even, and they think you're looking right here. And when you actually focus on someone, if you hear about the best politicians, the, the best CEOs, you name it, they would always say the phrase, when I was talking to that person, they made me feel like I was the only person in the room. That's mm. because they were giving you their undivided attention. Well, yeah. by teaching eyebrows, you get credit for eye contact at the exact same time. So if, you, if you've ever heard, see me speak, some people will go, oh, it's the eyebrow guy. That's because it's the first thing I teach because you can immediately put it to use. Like we'll cover it here in just a second. I'll show you a few slides with eyebrows and your audience can go out and test it immediately. Yeah. And just figure out, does it work for them or not? And the reason that I named the company Subtle Skills was because you don't have to tell anybody what you're doing, yeah. you know, and people think, oh, well, well, but you should tell people. I'm like, really? Do you finish Janine's book on body language and just go out and announce, hey, I read a body language book and stare down at people. Or do you just add it again as a skill to the rotation, right? right? So that's the cool thing about it is you can learn this skill and you never have to tell a single person what you learned. If you want to share it, well, there's there's beauty in that because what they always say is teaching is learning twice because you have to think, how do you do it? And that was a big game changer for me when I started teaching this to servers or hotel staff, whatever, so they could create a greater impact with their guests. Well, because I had to take in the information digest it and then you know spit it back out in a way that they'd understand it it helped me ingrain it that much more so i'd go out and learn and teach this and so one of the slides i show is hey if you want to learn how to get free food or drinks upgrades in hotels or on airlines then pay attention to what we're getting ready to talk about because that happens all the time matter of fact if you um on instagram and everywhere i'm known as subtle skills and so i started that truthfully out of fear of using my own name when I first started because everybody has imposter syndrome. And we already mentioned I had 21 years of a career that was no longer part of my identity, but I wasn't ready to just be Brian Galkey. And so since I had already bought the website, Settle Skills, that's where I am everywhere. TikTok, Instagram, um, LinkedIn is the only one that's really under my name. And of course I have a Facebook page with my name and I have a Facebook page as Settle Skills. But that was all done because of having that fear of imposter syndrome and everything. So even though I knew it helped me go from, as we mentioned, the help desk to a regional vice president of sales with a $40 million book of business yeah. annually, the skills work, but it's that attaching your name to things that's scary at times or doing things as you versus after spending two, well, 45% of my life as an employee, I didn't have a personal identity. I had an employee identity, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Well, Brian, that's, that's talking so much of how this really, when implemented can help propel you into so many different ways. And, and the communication skills in and of itself is huge in both personal and professional life. So you're sharing with us that this truly enlivened your career field and, and helped you scale on so many levels. Now, how did it help you in your personal relationships? Well, so it's the same thing um, as before. What I learned is how to look at people differently. So even existing relationships, you can learn to appreciate them. Like things that used to bug you, you can go, oh, their face tells me that. So a good example of that is, like most people, I used to get a little bit upset when I was interrupted by other people. So if I was talking and somebody interrupted me, I'd go, you know, how rude to them. But if I look and their eyebrow is very close to their eye, and I'll, we'll show this slide in just a second. Those are people who make decisions and understand things very quickly. So they're trying to help you get there. They're not trying to be rude and think that they're smarter than you or that they deserve to talk over you. It's not meant that way. It's mm. the way their brain works and processes information is they want to help you get there as fast as they did. So they start talking again. Once I learned to appreciate that about people, it doesn't bother me anymore. So I was raised in the day and age of Dr. Seuss, lots of things that rhymes. So I like to say with the face comes grace. Meaning that if I see something on their face, I know that's a part of who they are. Yeah. And so you can appreciate different things about different people slowly by going, that's just the way they're wired. Instead of thinking, oh, it's a personality thing. And the yeah. biggest misconception of this entire thing is people think it's a judgment about people. And it's the farthest from that. It's learning to understand people and trying to figure out how do we communicate better versus judgmental. Yeah, absolutely. It has certainly broadened your idea of understanding others. And, mm -hmm. you know, that helps so much. It brings this lift off of the shoulders where we, we take things so personally, so easily as human beings, right? And yes. when we have a better understanding of what people really are feeling based on those it, it makes a world of difference. So do you want me to bring in those slides, Brian? Yeah, let's pop through a few of them real fast for the visual people here, right? Because we already know your audio, uh, audience. Some people are auditory, some people visual, and some people are kinesthetic. So what we have first here on the slide is the person on the left is making it about themselves. And look at the people in the background. They're on their phones or playing with their coffee lid because they're making it more about the presentation than the people in the room. And look, guilty of that. There's so many people are guilty of it. Now, if we were to say that a, a car salesman is doing this, we'd say it's commission breath, but we all have it. Because if we have something we really believe in and we want other people to get on board with, but we don't think, am I speaking their language? This is exactly what happens. Now, versus that, the picture on the right, when you focus on other people and you give them that time and attention, they give it back out of a sign of respect. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to answer a few questions that kind of pop up. And those are, let me start clicking over here. The first one is, Am I a wizard? No, I can't read palms and I can't predict the future. It has nothing to do with that. What it, oh, this was my other favorite one. Can you tell me who's a liar, who's a cheater? No, because there aren't facial features based on that. Facial features about how do people take in and process information. It's based on what's known as physiognomy here. There's 42 muscles in the face. The mind creates movement, movement creates muscles. So what that means is those 42 muscles, from the time we're born, the outside environment and the experiences we go through, we make different faces. And as we keep making changing faces over time, our own faces can actually adjust. So when mm. your parents say, stop making that face or get stuck that way, there's actually some truth to that. Now, we mentioned earlier, how did I do it? I met my mentor, Mac. The, this was the guy I was going to go blow holes in. 
He was an attorney that learned it for jury consulting because it is taught through law school in some locations. And he ended up leaving law practice because he realized this has a universal attribute that people can use. So he walked away from his law profession and taught this in all over the world. And look, he's been up against people who try and stump him. And again, not 100%. And the big misconception, I'm going to go back one slide. Notice it's the art of discovering temperament, not the science. And that's where things get a bad label like a pseudoscience. Go, oh, well, that's a pseudoscience. It can't be real. Body language isn't 100% either. But is it effective? Can you be? Can you use it to help you in life? Absolutely. It's the same thing. Now, here's where it's going to blow a lot of people's minds. We actually talk about faces all the time. So we say things like take one on the chin. They're thin-lipped or keep a stiff upper lip is when we tell somebody that who they're going through an emotional time and we don't want them to share any more information. We say, hey, hey, keep a stiff upper lip. And so when you see somebody who has a flatter upper lip, you know not to ask them a lot of personal questions. So if you went to former communist countries, what will you see? A lot of thinner upper lips because they couldn't have a public opinion and talk out in public about things. And so we can say the same thing. They've got a nose for this. Keep your nose to the grindstone. They've got an eye for this, ear for this. I'm all ears. You name it. We talk about faces nonstop. And the cool thing about everyone's face is it's a history lesson, kind of like a map, which is where have you been and where are you today? It doesn't say anything about the future, but we can appreciate what's going on with you today. And there are some like facial muscles that as you keep making the face creates lines on the face. So like if somebody squints, depending on the number of lines, you can tell, are they a forced focused person or are they a perfectionist? Do they have, you know, so each one of these facial features tells us just a little bit about a person. And when I say we're all amateur face readers, Growing up in school, authors and artists also took the same courses that attorneys did. Why? To describe the characters in the book. So every book you ever read as a kid that didn't have a picture of what each character looked like, the only way for the author to describe them was through their actions and through their facial features. So we've been trained our entire life. And what else we've we been trained in? Every cartoon you've ever seen, every, you know, Cinderella story book, you name it, uh, story, was it fable or uh, fairy tale? They drew the different characters. So you know, as soon as you open a book, who's the hero and who's the villain subconsciously. I have a daughter. She loves Disney movies. You turn them on, you know who's a hero and who's a villain immediately based on who has pointed features, who has rounded features, you name it. We see this all the time. We just haven't been formally trained until today. So, and as I mentioned earlier, I was skeptical. I thought, what kind of circus crap is this that this guy's going to be peddling, Right. But then I went out and tested, and that's like we talked about before, 13 years I've been doing this. So I found the original email. It was October 13th of 2010 is when I met Matt. And because I sent him an email the next day, I said, hey, it was a pleasure meeting you. I'm going to dig into all this kind of stuff. And I spent that time with him. And what you see in the pictures here is people come up on stage, and they're really stoic when they come up, but they're always smiling and laughing because they can't believe that just in this much real estate that it's possible to understand other people. So I don't know anything about them when they walk up. And what we talk about is how to go top to bottom, left to right, what stands out about their face. And you see the reactions here. So people ask all the time, you know, what about genetics? It's 60% genetics, 40% epigenetics. What happens from the moment you're born? And I love the picture of the guy in yellow here because he's got the big upper body and little tiny legs. That's not genetics. That's what muscles he chose to do. This guy didn't do leg day, right? Mm -hmm. And so our faces are muscles. And that's why we say when you keep making a face, it can alter and change your own face over time. Here's a perfect example. Me I love this photo, by the way. <laughs> this yeah. is such a perfect example. 
Yes. And it's me at 18 versus 38. Then the reason that I show this when I'm up on stage, like you got to see it in Nashville, is because nobody wants to look me in the face once they find out what I do. So <laughs> by showing a picture of me and dissecting my own face, right, then people are more agreeable to talk to you after the fact. But for the people who are listening, there's three arrows. And what it, the first one points to how my ears changed over time. So my ears used to be more forward. And over time, they've actually gone back. And so when you read in the book and physiognomy and the flashcards, you see that the farther the ears stick out, the more the people push back. So it's like airplanes and going with the flow. Well, if your ears are back, you go more with the flow. If they stick out, you push back on things. The next one is my eyebrows. As a kid, they were both straight across my forehead. But as I became a corporate trainer, it became angled. And we'll cover why that's angled here in just a second. But the one that you don't really see until I point it out is, my eyes used to angle down a lot and now they've evened up over time. Well, that has to do with how do you take in and process information? So if somebody's eyes angle down, they worry about the downside of things. So I was raised in a very loving household who said, go for what you want, but it may not work out. Have you thought about a plan B? So they were always teaching me to worry about the downside. What if it doesn't work out? So you could say, oh, Brian's negative or Brian was raised in an environment to think, okay, what about this? Have you thought about that? That's the, and that was the type of environment I was raised in. So these are how just facial features tell you how to talk to someone. So for example, when I used to do the presentations with the other two gentlemen, if someone's eyes angled down a lot, I talk about why it wasn't the first generation of our product and what problems we had that we had to overcome for the current version of the product. That made the people whose eyes angled down happy because it's not just some salesman coming in to push the, oh, what's the best thing ever. You talk about the downside to let them know how you improve the product. But if somebody's eyes angled up, then they want to hear about the upside. That's when you talk about the features and benefits and why your product is the best on the market. So just little examples of things like that. Um, I'm going to speed past a few of these. Give me one second here. Move my mouse. because so I want to get into teach people something real fast. So what I love about this particular skill is it was the first proactive skill. This was the big game changer for me was, wait a minute. I can use this proactively because body language, I got to be in the room. I got to be able to see your body, right? So if we were going into these presentations and they've got their laptop in front of them and I can't see their legs, there's not a lot body language wise I can see other than are they leaning forward or are they leaning back? But when we knew, if I knew who I was going to be meeting with, I could go and look them up on LinkedIn, find a social media picture of them and figure out, okay, what does it know or what does their face already say about them? So I'd go look them up and then I would find people. So like, this is Brad Lee who's one of my mentors and all the arrows that are here are something that tells me enough about Brad, about when I meet with him, I need to think in terms of these. So for example, rounded forehead is an outside the box thinker. Straight eyebrows means get straight to the point. We're going to cover that in just a second. So you figure out what do people's faces say based on their LinkedIn profiles, mm -hmm. but you start at LinkedIn, but then you move to social media. And the reason for that is because LinkedIn may be an older picture of someone that they haven't used in quite a while. But like I mentioned earlier, it's just a cool factor. And when you're analyzing people's facial features, like the pictures here, are you giving someone eye contact while you're looking and checking out their facial features? Or are you looking down while you're examining their body language? So it's just looking at people and figuring out how do I interact with them differently? So as I mentioned earlier, if you see people that have large ears and small eyes, then you know that they're auditory type people. So you would say things like, hey, does this sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? You talk in auditory terms because you're attempting to speak their language. 
Me, I'm visual. I will hang up a phone call and say, okay, I'll see you later. Most of my language is visual based. So if you're talking to me and you use a lot of the sound words or auditory words, you're not speaking my language. But that's why even if you're preparing a presentation to send to someone, make sure you cover auditory, visual, and kinesthetic language throughout your document. Mm -hmm. but, um, so you want to dive in just some real quick ones to teach everyone? Because I know we're going a little bit long, but. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So first one we're going to teach everybody is eyebrows. Like I mentioned, I'm known as the eyebrow guy because I love talking about them. And people go, oh, eyebrows don't really tell you that much about people. Well, then, you know, just go ahead and Google people without eyebrows. <laughs> this is what shows up. Well, look at how people were used to seeing. If you can't see their eyebrows, you're kind of like, uh, 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 I don't know how to interact with them. It's not we, natural. Right. So we pay way more attention to eyebrows than we think we do. Now, this goes back to a variety of reasons. I'm currently reading a book called The Like Switch. So not light switch, but like, like, I hope you like me. And it's written by a former FBI agent who is in the behavioral analysis unit that would teach agents in the field how to try and meet and flip people to be informants for the FBI and or, you know, leave their country, doing things like that. So it's a fascinating mm -hmm. book. But in the book, they talk about even from a distance, the natural reaction is if we see someone we like, we do an eyebrow flare uh, to raise our eyebrows very fast. Then we tilt our head and we smile. So that means that they didn't say, oh, smile, then this. They always start with the eyebrow flash that can be seen across the room. Mm. So it's fascinating because that is, once again, just proof we pay more attention to eyebrows than we think we do. So, but even if you take a look at the lady here, it's the same person, but you take away that one feature and we focus on it about how we don't feel like we can see them. So eyebrows were originally meant to keep water, dirt, sand out, but because they're attached to so many muscles around the face, as they alter, they tell us how do people take in and process information. Now, I mentioned earlier, we talk about facial features so if you've ever been to a comedy, people go, oh, that's highbrow humor or lowbrow humor. Highbrow humor is when somebody tells a joke and you have to think about it for a minute and then you laugh. Mm -hmm. Lowbrow humor is physical comedy where you instantly laugh. Jackass, Three Stooges, you name it. So if you start applying that to faces, someone who has highbrow needs more time to make a decision. So like being told the joke, they have to think about it first and then they laugh. Well, the higher somebody's eyebrow is, it's the longer that they take to make decisions. Mm. Versus, if, So you imagine like a speed bump in the middle of the road and data is racing down your forehead to get into your eye. The higher the eyebrow can only go so fast, go over the speed bump and then try and speed up again. But if the eyebrow is low right above the eye, then that data can race down and they make decisions very fast because they only have to slow down right before it goes into the eye. So that's why we talk about eyebrow humor and lowbrow humor. So when you're talking to someone and when you used to be on the presentation team, I would start making eye contact with who has the highest eyebrows in the room because I know they're going to need more time. They're probably going to ask more questions. And then I work my way to the other people. So even if this isn't a one-on-one -on -one situation, I know how do I talk to everyone at their own pace? So you start looking at people a little bit differently and you think, who would I start talking to? Well, I would start talking to number four because she has the most amount of space between her eyebrows. Then I would talk to number three here, one, two, and five, they're, they're fairly similar. So I would work on them just kind of independently. So you start using this skill. And again, you don't have to tell anybody what you're doing, but if you're talking to someone, and I teach this at door-to-door -door salespeople, matter of fact, I'm speaking next month at door-to-door -door con in Salt Lake. 
if they encounter somebody who answers the door that has a high eyebrow and salespeople love to push for that one call close, if you force someone to make too fast of a decision, then they're either going to back out of the deal or they're going to have buyer's remorse and you will never get a referral from them ever. Mm. So a win isn't really a win if you're forcing your agenda instead of learning to speak their language. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so um, in addition to eyebrow high, we'll, we'll teach them one more thing here. And that is there. I can talk about eyebrows for an entire day, but there's three very, very basic shapes to eyebrows. So there's straight, there's angled and there's rounded eyebrows. So if you see someone with straight eyebrows, get straight to the point because they like facts, figures, and data. So when you see that on someone, let's say real estate is an example. If you see someone with straight eyebrows, what are you looking for? A three, three, a two, two, what interest rate, what payment are you looking for? Facts, figures, and data about that thing. The next one over is angled eyebrows, which is like what I have. So an angled eyebrow is what's my angle? Help me understand it first so then I can help other people. As I mentioned, I didn't start getting the angled eyebrow until I became a corporate trainer and a mm -hmm. sales engineer. What do you have to do? Well, you have to learn the material so you can demo it to everyone else. So that's what an angled eyebrow means. And here we have uh, Ruth Ginsburg, who she wanted to help women, but she had to go to law school first and she's got very angled brows. Now, here's an interesting fact. Young girls, when they don't feel in control of their life, will have a tendency to shave off whatever shape they have and draw an angled eyebrow because we also associate angled eyebrows as authoritarian eyebrows. Mm. So if you look in a lot of Disney movies and things, the lead character, especially the villains, will all have the angled brows. Yeah. So but when you see that on someone, you just think, what's their angle? Help them understand the material or the product or what's in it for them, and then how they can help other people. Because the polar opposite of that is somebody with rounded eyebrows. So if you look at the two people here, Elon Musk, Oprah, we know more about what they do than who they are. And what I mean by that is Elon, once he sold PayPal, could have retired. But instead, he put all of his money into Tesla. What's Tesla for? He wanted a car for his five kids that was also electric. So they think about the people around them first and themselves second. Oprah Winfrey is a great example of this because we know who she interviews and what she does for her audience far more than we actually know the very, very tough history she had growing up before mm -hmm. she became who she is. But the show's called Oprah, but it's not really about Oprah. It's about who she interviews and what she does for the people in her audience. So when you see people who have rounded eyebrows, just think they think about the people around them first and themselves second. So going back to the angled eyebrows, I would say, what's the most important room for you in a house? Why? What's their angle? But in a rounded one, oh, are you going to be entertaining at the house? What are the extra bedrooms going to be used for? Because that's how people think. So if you make it uh, with somebody who has rounded eyebrows, the whole reason when we get on a plane, we have to hear that in the event of an emergency, please put on your own mask before the mask of someone else. Because rounded eyebrow people would try and take care of everyone else first. And what happens? They pass out and nobody gets a mask on. <laughs> yeah. Rounded eyebrow people just think about the people around them first and then themselves second. So you just start putting these things together. When you see someone, very simple. Do they have high eyebrows or low eyebrows? How much time are they going to need? And then what shape is their eyebrows? Because that lets you know how do you present the same information. So using something different, like using cars, straight eyebrow. Somebody comes in to buy a car. Okay, what are you looking for? Gas mileage, horsepower, monthly payment, interest rate, angled eyebrow. What's the most important feature for you in a car with, while you're here with us today?
rounded eyebrow, who's going to be riding with you? Are, is this to show off to your neighbors? So you talk about straight to the point for straight eyebrows, angled eyebrows. What's their angle? What's their benefit first? And then rounded eyebrows. Think about the people around them first. So you can do this in any product. I mean, I teach this to law enforcement, attorneys, door knockers, real estate, you name it. We always have what we want to discuss. It's just how do we discuss it that changes. And it's based on not what I want to say, but how would you best understand the material? Ah, so cool. Brian, you bring so much wealth and knowledge to us today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just like, this is so great. And, you know, so much of it is fascinating to me because when you, when you consider you, you brought this up a little bit with, with cultural aspects, right? It's people in certain areas of the world have specific facial features as a whole because of, you know, the way that their uh, environment is. And so I think that that is really brilliant in the way that we're brought up in certain households. And again, going into the, the sort of their environment that we're uh, in. And so this is just wonderful, fascinating stuff. Thank you so much. I want to bring in one of the comments we had. Manly says, what if the hottest gift this year is the gift of understanding? I really appreciate this information to build my skills. Oh, yeah. That, when I said earlier that this connected us to the world, but disconnects us from each other, that's the downside of modern technology. Take younger kids. So I'm 48. Most people my age, they say, what's the number one public fear? It's public speaking. That same fear that we have of standing on stage is what kids feel on a regular basis because they've grown up in an electronic environment where they can perfect everything. Oh, I don't like the picture. Let me retake it. Oh, let me craft, craft this text message, right? Or let me craft this email. Oh, let me just order food from an app. Let me order a car from a map. Face-to-face -face communication freaks them out. Like the idea, you know, if you talk to me, you say, we never had caller ID when I was growing up. They're like, what? You just answer the phone like a crazy person? Yeah, you didn't know who was calling. But they don't understand that face-to-face -face skill. In that book I'm reading right now, they did an exercise where he had them come up and try and have a face-to-face -face conversation like us. Uh, so what do we talk about? And they're like, I don't know. He said, okay, now turn your backs to each other and text each other. And they had a whole con uh, conversation because people don't feel anxiety talking to this, but they do when they're talking to this. It's amazing. So this is the best skill to have. And especially you and I are on Zoom right now. I can't set, tell, are your arms crossed? Are your legs crossed? Are you wearing pants? I don't know, right? So that's the whole thing is we have this much real estate. Why yeah. not use it to figure out how do you build rapport with people? Yeah, absolutely. It's you know, it's definitely different. I say oftentimes, uh, you know, going online and, and being on a Zoom or being interviewed here in this platform is completely different than walking on a stage and speaking in front of a, a live audience. There's definitely a difference there. And you're correct. It is one of the, the biggest fears that we have as humans to step on a stage and present ourselves. And mm -hmm. we could go into why that is on a historical aspect and biological aspect of the fear of public speaking. And if we were to speak out, then, you know, it could mean our death because we just weren't allowed to have that for so long throughout our history. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, certain things like this is so important for us. So thank you so much again for sharing your sure. wisdom and insight. I want to make sure that everyone knows where to find you. 
www.learnsubtleskills.com. And also you have a cheat sheet. So www.getthecheatsheet.com. And so tell us a little bit about that, what you offer on your websites and Mm -hmm. what people can expect when they find you. Sure. So the what you can get at learn subtle skills or get the cheat sheet. Um, if you want, there's a QR code too. If you want to pop that up, but it's basically what we just covered, and that's going to be eyebrow height, eyebrow shape, and it has some other features that are there as well. So it's a cheat sheet that you can keep next to you. That if you know who you're going to meet with, you can look them up ahead of time and figure out, okay, what do I need to change in the presentation? Or you can learn it and kind of keep it with you on your phone. Like that's the sneaky way to do it. And then when you're out in public, before you meet with someone, you're like, oh, oh, they have this. Because when you learn to gamify this skill, that's what really changes it for people, right? Is once they see the benefit of it, it's pretty amazing. As far as how else do people do it, in person is always the best because what we have at the end is I have people come up and you get to see us use it on different people and you can see different versions of the same thing. Like what do different uh, rounded eyebrows look like? And, you know, are they higher or are they lower? Next best thing, virtual training or the flashcards. This is what really helped me is the flashcards. Why? Because they have little arrows that show like what the feature is. And when you're in school, did you read the book or did you make flashcards when you wanted to study and really put it into practice? It's the same thing for this is I would carry one of these with me and I'd say, okay, step one, how many can I find from the time I go through security at the airport till I get to my gate? Or if I'm at a restaurant, while I'm here, how many can I find with this particular feature? And then I'd have to think, okay, what does it mean again? And I'd quiz myself. That's how I learned it. But gamifying it, teach it to someone else and go out and create a game out of it. Then I do speak to corporations. We do consulting. Um, if somebody's got a challenging client that they're working with, I'll go, okay, let's go get a picture of them. And so we do consulting like that. Corporate training, corporate retreats are my favorite. Why? They're always in cool locations. And you're usually sitting with either the executives or the powerhouses within the industry, and you're just making them that much more dangerous. Ah, well, that is certainly true. Uh, Gosh, Brian, this is so awesome to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? Just if you do want to learn this skill, which I hope you do, the best place to practice it is with people in the service industry. Why? Not just because I came from that industry but because most people in the service industry are overworked and underpaid. And what I mean by that is people aren't showing up to work anymore because it's not the best paying job. And people have gotten really rude. They forgot what it was like to have conversations and to treat your server like a person. So instead of when you go to Starbucks and saying, oh, I'm going to buy the next person's coffee, why not treat the barista, barista special by giving them some of your time and attention and just thinking, are their eyebrows high? Are they low? What shape are they? And having a conversation with them, because then the ripple effect is not just the next person who gets coffee, but the next 30 people until they they have somebody rude to them gets the benefit from it. And the same thing, airports, nobody's ever nice to the gate agent, like they somehow control the weather or the pilots or the flight attendants. Nobody's ever nice to them. But if you are, you can change their day. The same thing with hotels. So practice this in anywhere where somebody's helping to take care of you. This is a way of giving back that doesn't cost you anything. And if you happen to benefit from it, you get free food and drink or you get upgrades, that's a bonus. But if you make him just feel seen and heard, it changes things. And I'll I'll end this with a a quick story. I went to a wedding at uh, Jekyll Island, which is the Florida Georgia line. And our server after the wedding, you know, at, at those things, servers just fill up your stuff and they only ask you, what do you want to eat or drink? And that's it. 
Well, when our server was filling up our wine glasses and our water glasses, I noticed his name tag said Hungarian. Remember, I said, if I go somewhere, I learn basic phrases. So I got on my phone. I looked up how to say thank you in Hungarian. So when he came back to fill up glasses, I said, Kosinom. He said, what? I said, well, I want to say thank you for taking care of us. He said, you speak Hungarian? I said, well, I've been to Budapest. And so I just wanted to say thank you. And he gave him two minutes to talk about how he ended up at the resort and where he's from and everything. Guess whose glasses were never empty the rest of the time? Not just mine, but the three tables he took care of because he felt seen and heard instead of just being a servant in the background. So that's the reason why they're the best people to practice on, because you can make their day just by treating them the way you want to be treated on a regular basis. So what you're saying, Brian, is that by obtaining these skills, not only are you gaining an incredible confidence in communication, but you're helping make the world a better place. Absolutely. The ripple effect is, is just amazing with it. That's awesome. Well, I, I want to invite people too, because Brian, as far as I know, the last time I checked, you still have a bunch of those cards that you're looking to fill stockings with this year. And I can't imagine a better thing to put in people's stockings. I, I mean, I've already got ideas for other people, but so I want to make sure again, go to learnsubtleskills.com. Do you have those available on your website for purchase? Yes. Yeah, when they go, so that's the first page they'll go to, and then they'll go to subtle skills. And yeah, you can buy flashcards right off there. Um, when they get the cheat sheet, there's a link that comes in along with it as well. Um, and it is, that's the way that I pay my mentor back was he had, you know, had all these made up and I helped him get rid of them because I think that's the best way for me to pay homage for the skill that he taught me that changed my life. But more importantly, it's a skill that everybody can pick up and make a game out of it. Make a game out of it with your family, with your friends. You know, where even if you're sitting around Thanksgiving dinner, which would just pass, but Christmas or anything like that, you're like, aha, look, and then you start to realize things. It makes it so much fun. Well, yeah. And as parents, you know, I, I consider this for my children and passing along that knowledge for them to really be able to succeed in the world. If you have this general knowledge, which we let's let's make it general knowledge, right? That's what you're trying to create in the world is by giving people these skills in order to utilize in the best way possible. Absolutely. Like on there on the learn subtle skills, click on, you know, books I recommend because it's not about one skill. So any book that I think anybody can value from or benefit from, I list those books in there. So you'll see Janine's book, you'll see Joe Navarro's book, all books that have made an impact on me that help just that little bit to make life that much better. Awesome. Well, Brian, you're doing all these fun things. You're speaking on so many different stages. What is the next big thing for you? What do you envision creating in, for your future? Sure. So right now it's been stages and corporations. I want to have a bigger impact on people. So I'm going to start doing in 2024 live events that are affordable for people to come in, learn the skill, then go home and practice it. Because there's something different about being in a room. And I like to do it and like to see the interactions and watch and help people mentor them to learn just like I was taught. So that'll be yeah. the next deal that's coming up is more coaching and in-person events that are small, just focused on face reading. That's it. Hmm, I love that. Well, it's very apparent, Brian, that you're so passionate about this. I mean, you have the knowledge inside and out, and you're you're so good at being able to pass the knowledge on to others and the way that you describe it. And it, it's easily, uh, I, I soak it in and I love that you do it and that you share it. Again, fascinating, wonderful that you've been on the Wellness Driven Live Show. Thank you so much for honoring us with your time. And 
thank you again to the audience because the show wouldn't be possible without you. So we'll say our goodbyes for now. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Bye everybody. Bye.